You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. I have a word that is going to help you. I, I believe it's going to help you. Um, we just had the most amazing weekend away in Palm Springs. We did our annual marriage retreat. It was fantastic. It was every part fun and holy. I think we ticked all the boxes. So we had a whole lot of fun as, as we know how to do in Awakened Church. Wherever we go, we, we, we bring celebration and life. Like it is impossible not to notice us. It's a, little bit, it's a little bit obnoxious actually. We need to tone it down a tad. But then the holiness, no, no, Felicia's saying no. All right, we'll keep rocking on then. But um, holiness too, I mean, we had some of the most deepest teaching, the most incredible encounters with God. Marriages were being restored and put back together. And I've asked Pastor Mike and Katie if I could continue in that vein today. Um, uh, We're in our Vision Builders series. And I wanna tell you today that God has a vision and the church, Awakened Church, has a vision to build your marriage. And you might say today, well, I'm not married. Well, if you have it in your heart to be a spouse, I don't want you to check out right now. I want you to lean in and listen because I found one of the best times to learn is before the test. So so write it all down, get it in your heart or maybe here today you have some regrets in relationships and have some uh, marriages that ended in your history. I, I don't want you to come and find condemnation today, but inspiration. And I wanna say to you today, your future in Christ can be so much greater than your past. So start to sit and dream and lean in. I, I want everybody to take off the spectacles of condemnation and shame and regret and discouragement and put on the spectacles, their trifocals of faith, hope and love today as we share, as I share this word. I thought it would be fun. Um, I don't know that I've ever shared with this campus, well, I have the previous service, but as a whole, the story of when Pastor Jürgen and I met. We met many, many years ago, and I say we always met in church, and we did, we kind of met in church, but we saw each other from afar for the longest time. But our first interaction was actually at my place of employment, where my illustrious career began at McDonald's. I was a counter server. I was the one responsible for taking orders and then making sure that food got on that very attractive plastic tray and the person was able to partake. And there was this one particular day, and I listen, I had seen Jürgen at church, of course I had. He's impossible not to notice, <laughs> let's face it. He was just like he is now back then. So we're in a relatively mainline church and he was the only one lifting his hands in worship He was the only one with the audacity to say amen. He he honestly, from the time I met him, I could, and this is no exaggeration, see the glory of the Lord on him. And and he was so handsome. I mean, I know you know that because you've seen him. But he was so handsome. Suntanned, a shock of blonde hair, you know, very much like he is now. I always say he is the brownest white man in America. And he still has that blonde hair, but he has uh, a little help from the hairdressers at this stage. But I I used to see him, and for me, honestly, it was love at first sight. So I'm not sure, I'm not sure if you're here today and you had that experience. Lift your hand if it was love at first sight for you. 
I like this. A lot of you guys are romantics. This is wonderful. And um, I just, I mean, I was 15 at the time. I wasn't even allowed to date. And Jürgen was dating someone else. Don't worry, it's not scandalous. I'm not that kind of girl. But I remember being so heartsick because I was in love with this man who didn't really know me, he knew of me, who was dating someone else and I'd never been in love before. I'd, like I didn't even, I w- wasn't even interested in guys. I was 15, but looking at him, I was just like, I'm in love with this man. And I don't know what to do with this feeling in my heart. God, I remember lying in bed as a 15 year old and this may seem very juvenile and overly emotional, romantic, but praying, oh God, if we are not meant to be together, then please take these feelings away. I just remember being so heartsick. Anyway, flash forward a couple of weeks, I'm doing my shift at McDonald's. It is the lunch rush. And lo and behold, I look down my line and I see Jürgen Matesius. And my heart starts beating a million miles an hour and I'm almost having like an anxiety attack. It was like the cartoons where the heart jumps out like that. (laughs) And then he finally gets to my spot in the line and he looks at me and he goes, I know you. He said, you're Leanne Gray. We go to the same church. And I'm like, oh, yes, I think so. I I I think so. And... To this day, I have not forgotten his order. He ordered a Big Mac, a fillet of fish, a large fries and an orange juice, okay? I will remember that order for, it is tattooed on my heart, okay? And it's meant to be fast food, but because I was so nervous, I was so slow. I mean, here's the the protocol at McDonald's is you go to the warmer, you get all the burgers out at once, you put them on the tray, you grab the fries and then the drinks are made and you put it on the, on the thing. It's meant to all be done in like 60 seconds because when we say fast food, we mean fast food. But I was, this was like the slowest, like slow cooker. I'm just like <laughs> stumbling. And this is when our eyes met and he looked in my eyes and he said, oh my gosh, you have the most beautiful eyes. You've got two different colored eyes. You've got a blue eye and a brown eye, which I do. And, you know, this is where kind of our relationship started to blossom. And we fell in love over the next couple of months. He had broken up with his girlfriend before that, all right? (laughs) Nothing untoward. I mean, that fool, what was she thinking? (laughs) What was she thinking? You know, we were in love and we dated for, I got married at, I know many of you know this, at 17 and a half. Uh, we dated for around two years before we got married. And um, we, we were in love, we were always in love. Um, but I gotta tell you, we came into our marriage relationship with some baggage. Doesn't matter how in love you are, every single one of us has some baggage that becomes blatantly clear in a marriage relationship. And I believe most people go into marriage with nothing but love and the greatest of hopes in their hearts for their marriage relationship. And we found after a couple of years that the love that we had for each other was kind of being replaced a little bit by things like resentment and bitterness and unmet expectations and feelings of hurt and pain and sticky words. You know, those words that are said in the heat of an argument that stick to your soul 
and they linger long after the argument is done. We were kind of in that place. I'm reminded of a story actually in the Bible of King Saul's daughter, Michael, who married King David. Now the Bible says of Michael that in the beginning, it says this in 1 Samuel, that Michael loved David, like Leanne loved Jürgen. But then 16 chapters later, only 16 chapters later, the Bible says that Michael despised David in her heart. So what took her from a place of love, of heart, aching, Love where they looked into each other's eyes and they only had eyes to each other to only in just 16 chapters, Michael looking at the sight of her husband and the very sight of him caused her to, to despise him in her heart. Well, here's what I believe and I wanna speak prophetically right now. I believe we are in a season where just like that song that led into this message, God is gonna be bringing life back into dry bones and life back into dry marriages. I really do believe that. There was a ravaging that took place in 2020 when it came to the marriage relationship. And if I, if I were the devil, I would strike marriage relationships at the very heart because they are the cornerstone of every healthy community. They are the backbone on which God builds this thing called the family. And so we have to understand that a, an unbridled attack has gone out across the earth against the male-female marriage covenant relationship. It's, in, it's an incredible thing, this marriage relationship, because it's a marriage that is a covenant. It's a covenant. In fact, when... Uh, when Paul is speaking about the church, he likens the strength and health of the church in the way that God views the church with the male-female marriage relationship. So I want to, you to understand today the importance of this very sacred thing. Again, I want you to lean in. You may be a single person here today, but God still wants to speak to you. You're gonna pick something up and you're gonna use it in your future. But I thought I just wanna share with you from the 29 years that Pastor Jürgen and I have spent together and we've seen a thing or two and trust me, we have not had a perfect road. We've certainly come in with our own baggage that we've had to deal with and are still dealing with. But I wanna share to you today from, I guess, the treasure trove of the 29 years of marriage that we've had and the things that have worked for us and the things that I believe are gonna work for you too. So can you hang in there? You got this? All right, all right, good. I love speaking on marriage, I really do. And the testimonies that I heard even just in this weekend that we were away on our marriage retreat are mind blowing. I want you to know this today. I don't know where this message finds you, but I had conversations with people on the weekend whose marriages started and immediately went into illicit affairs and all kinds of heartbreak and trauma, and yet they are standing strong today. Nothing is impossible with God. I wanna put faith and courage in you today. Even if a marriage has ended, who knows what God will do in the future. I want your heart to be filled with faith today for your future. All right, come on, Leanne, let's get into it. All right. The first key that I have found in my relationship that has so helped is this, going first. 
What do I mean by that? Well, Jesus spoke to us in the Bible when they asked him, you know, what is the most important of all the commandments? And he, he talked to, the, to all the scribes and the Pharisees and the disciples and all the crowds as they got together. And he said this, he goes, whatever you want somebody to do for you, do first, somebody say do first, do first for them. Do you, do you know what I think? I think many marriages were train wrecked or ended up in divorce court simply because nobody was willing to go first. Oh, we can be a stubborn bunch. We can be a prideful bunch. And we want it. We want the marriage to work, but we aren't willing to take the first step. Can I ask you this question? What would change in your relationship if you apologized first? Write that down. What would change in your marriage relationship if you forgave first? What would change in your marriage relationship if you were generous first? Many of us are waiting for our spouse to open the door, but then we find that our spouse is waiting for us to open the door. And we're both just standing in front of a door that's shut. If you want your marriage to work, learn to open doors. Because there's a life beyond you opening the door, a room of blessing that you will not possess until you lay down that pride and learn to go first. It was a game changer in our marriage, game changer. Because Jürgen and I were expert arguers. I'm an excellent arguer and he's like, he's like top level. If he, if he wasn't a pastor, he could have been a lawyer. And I'm telling you, he would win every case, <laughs> hands down, no matter what the facts were, trust me. And, and we would get into these arguments and it got to the point where we were both so wound up. At the end, we didn't even know what we were arguing about. And, and then, you know, he'd go his own direction and I'd go my own direction and we'd, we'd have this frost and then that frost, you know, compounded over so many years. And I remember, never forget one day having a conversation with God and say to him, well, he just needs to apologize. He just needs to humble himself as the man and the man of God and say sorry. And I'll never forget what the Holy Spirit said to me, Leanne, why don't you go first? Oh, I didn't wanna hear that. I wanted to hear all the scriptures about how the man is the leader and he needs to set by example. But I'm telling you, when I laid down my pride and actually moved in obedience to what God was asking of me, everything in our relationship changed. You want instant, I'm not even talking about like long-term, instant, like today change in your relationship, go first. Think about it now. What is the area in your relationship where you're waiting for your spouse to do for you something that God is now gonna ask you to do for them? Write that down. Go first, go first, I'm telling you. The Bible goes on to say, as Jesus is talking about that, He's saying, I want you to treat one another as you would like to be treated. He then goes on to talk about the narrow path. Going first is a narrow path and there are few who find it. The Bible says, isn't it interesting? that there are probably lesser healthy, happy marriages in our world simply because we don't wanna tread the narrow path of going first, but not at this church. We are a go first bunch. So write down right now in your notes that I know you're taking, 
In what area in your marriage is God asking you to go first and be obedient to what He's leading you to do? All right, amen, Leanne, well done. Okay, point number two, make intimacy a priority. And I like speaking about this simply because there are far too few churches that actually do. And, and I, I just know the trauma of 29 years of pastoring and leading people and being involved in pastoral care situations that romance and sex in a marriage relationship, which is the environment that it is blessed in, the environment and the boundaries that God can contain for sex to flourish, too few churches are, are speaking into this very important issue that fractures so many marriages. It fractures so many marriages. In fact, here's what Paul said in the book of 1 Corinthians 7, 5. Do not refuse and deprive and defraud each other. Are you seeing this on the screen? Look at this. Do not refuse and deprive and defraud. What does that word defraud mean? Deprive of something by deception. Do not defraud each other of your due marital rights. Wow, this is in the Bible. Geez, Paul was controversial. <laughs> Except perhaps by mutual consent for a time. In a society that, that has elevated personal preference and personal liberties and personal freedoms above actually preferring one another in the marriage context, we have a whole lot of mess in this area. So we come into a marriage, especially as it relates to, to sex with all eyes on me and my moods and my feelings and my preferences. Imagine, imagine if you flip that around and saw this area of your marriage relationship as a way to serve and minister your spouse. What a game changer. And can I take it one little step further? Now everybody's quiet and I have everyone's attention. I feel like the spouse with the lower libido has to be more intentional about scheduling, yes, prioritising sex and lovemaking in the marriage relationship. Because the one with the libido that is always set to always <laughs> has got it on their mind. They're, they're ready, set, go, any minute of... But, but the spouse maybe that is, you know, kind of more like a camel who can go a long time on just one drink has to be a little bit more intentional about making sure that the needs of their spouse are met. And Paul is really explicit here to the church. I think the problems we have now are just the same problems, just kind of put in a different century. And here's why he says this, listen to this. It says, uh, but after, if you, if you have uh, mutually consented to a time where you're gonna refrain from sex, maybe God is saying, I want you to have a fast, and I want you to deal with something in your life. I want you to break the power of something through by fasting in this area. Now, if he speaks to you to do that, you go ahead and do it, but make sure you're in a place of mutual consent. And he goes, so that you may devote yourselves unhindered to prayer. And I'm wondering if a lot of the droughts in marriage relationships sexually are because you're devoting yourselves to prayer. I imagine not. <laughs> I imagine not. I'm gonna be very honest with you today. But then he says, but afterwards, in other words, there is a time frame on that. It shouldn't be forever. Resume marital relations. Let's look why. Lest Satan tempt you to sin 
through your lack of restraint of sexual desire. Now, I am not for a second saying that your behaviour excuses the bad choices of your spouse. They go and decide to have an affair or an emotional affair, that's, they're paddling their own canoe. But at the same time, it is absolute truth that we can create a culture in our marriage relationship to keep the devil at bay. Where we can shut the door to temptation in our marriage relationship by preferring one another's needs over one another. So it's not me, oh, well, I just don't feel like it. Well, what if you never feel like it again? What a terrible, terrible state of affairs for that person who married you, not just because they really like being around you and they like watching movies on the couch and sharing a piece of pie and binge watching that Netflix show. You're you're the only person that they can have sexual intimacy with. This is robbery. What did Paul say? Do not defraud one another. Do not deprive one another fraudulently, deceptively actually have a heart where my desire is to make you know, your life so full and so enjoyable in this area. And listen, I know that there will be a myriad of, of stories and of histories and of experiences in this room. And, and I am certainly not speaking to condemn or stir up trouble in your marriage right now. But wherever this may find you today, I want you to know that God's desire for your sexual relationship with your spouse is one of life and life in abundance. It is the thief who has come to kill, to steal and destroy. He is the author of everything that is perverted. He is the author of everything that has affected your marriage negatively in this area. Surrender to the Lord. Grab a hold of the resources that are so uh, accessible in this world today, especially in the church world, to have the life and the marriage and the sex life with your husband or wife that God intended for you to have. Can somebody say amen? And you may find that in certain periods of your life that you actually have, you have to schedule it. If you wait for things to happen organically, they, they may actually never happen. So I love that word defraud. I'm gonna linger on this for a second because I feel to. Don't use a fraudulent excuse. Oh, I'm still breastfeeding. Oh, okay, that baby is two. You need to stop. (laughs) Or or have your kids planted in your room. And, And there's no time for romance because your bed is full of toddlers. It's not okay husbands, wives, if you're doing that, or busying yourself so much that you avoid it because you have some issue you don't wanna deal with, so I just wanna avoid sex altogether because if I go there, I could let my spouse down because I've got this addiction that I don't wanna divulge and now there's heartbreak and heartache. Look, we've heard it all. We've honestly, I feel like we are unshockable at this point. Like, please, please, you don't need to tell everybody or stand up on a stage. This is not Alcoholics Anonymous. You don't need to confess your deepest, darkest sins to the crowds of strangers, but find some trusted people and say, there's a struggle here. There's an issue here. I'm struggling. My husband, my wife, me, whatever. I, I, I need some help. Will you help me? And I'm telling you, just like that song, that final song illustrated to us, God can bring dead things back to life. He can, oh my gosh, He can. 
And not only can he, he wants to. Do you know that God created sex? Wasn't created by the Playboy magazine founder who's dead now. Whatever his name was, I've forgotten, see? Like I'm telling you, God created it. God created it and your creator knows how to fix what's broken. Bring it to him, surrender it to him. I have met with women who have been through the most intense and wicked sexual trauma, who are completely free today to be able to enjoy sex in its fullness with their husbands. I have met and encountered men who were cripplingly addicted to pornography, who through the power of the power of the Holy Ghost and deliverance prayer and confession and repentance that led to healing and now able to enjoy satisfying relationships with their sexual relationships with their wives. Can God do it? Yes, He can. Somebody say amen. And like I said in the first service, I'm going to get Katie to take money out of my purse and then put it back in because I'm giving myself an offering on that one. Yes. <laughs> amen. Amen. And, and I think within that, it's important to say, I'm going to keep going. I, uh, there's times and there's seasons. In, in those child-rearing days, like when you've got little ankle biters and everywhere you look is need, like, like please, please don't fall off the wagon. Think, things are going to get better. It will be better. And even if you, you have to schedule one night a week where you have a sitter and you, you, know, you make everybody's dreams come true just in that you know, one hour period, it is what it is. Enjoy it, savour it, but have realistic expectations. Definitely at that time, you may be going through a bit of a winter season when it comes to sexual things, but trust me, spring comes after winter, baby, things are going to thaw again. It's all going to be okay. Don't toss out something beautiful in winter that's going to be revived again in springtime. Yeah. You know, I was watching the movie Shrek uh, Ever After. Is that what it's called? The final Shrek movie. That's your homework. You guys need to watch the final Shrek movie. Because do you remember when Shrek and Fiona got together in the beginning? They were in love two ogres met and, you know, they were just so desperately in love. It was the honeymoon period. Life was amazing. And then they had three tiny little ogre babies. And the whole dynamic changed. Everything changed. And the premise of the final Shrek movie, Shrek Ever After, is that he wished he could be a single ogre again. He dreamt back to the time where he was single and he could do what he wanted, be with whoever he wanted to be. And he was pining and longing for this old life. And then he, he strikes up a bargain with Rumpelstiltskin, as you do, to get a day back to be a single ogre again. And in that moment, he has an encounter with his now wife when she's not surrounded by three little babies tagging, tearing at her clothes and bedraggled hair and need upon need upon need upon need. And he saw her in all her resplendent glory. Ferocious, beautiful, passionate, virtuous, attractive, wonderful. And he was just in awe. And he had a glimpse of the woman that she was, that was maybe dimmed a little bit because of those child rearing years and who he was, that who, she, who this ogre was that he'd married. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, it's probably a terrible analogy, isn't it? But what I'm trying to say to you is the woman you loved 
the man you loved is in there. Don't throw them out in a hard season. Choose to fall in love with them again. Every time I get caught in the doldrums of marriage life and routine and the demands and the fact that people are grabbing on me every second and I felt like I had kids coming out of my ears, I would just think about my young surfy boyfriend. Oh my gosh, I love him. I love him and that's who he is. And maybe you just needed to hear that today. Don't, don't toss out a perfectly good spouse just because of a bad season. Amen, Leanne. Amen. Point number three. The third thing that Jürgen and I have done, help your spouse feel better about themselves. Yes. Now this is the deepest teaching you're gonna hear in San Diego today, I promise. You may have come for an exploratory on the book of Romans. However, I'm gonna tell you stuff that is gonna change your life today. Help your spouse feel better about themselves. I'm not talking about pandering. I'm not talking about overlooking things that need to be addressed. I'm talking about using their weaknesses and their moments of insecurity in order to bring security. When God brought Eve to Adam, He called her a helpmate. I'm sending her to help you because you have some weaknesses and she's gonna add her strength to those weaknesses. That's that's what marriages are about. So you'll find that you'll get your husband or your wife and they'll have some insecurities. They'll have some areas of weakness. And that's not your point to come in and point them out and add weight to what the accuser of the brethren is saying. But those points of insecurity are actually uh, an opportunity for you to bring security. And can I say to you today, men, that every woman worth her salt will go through bouts of insecurity where she needs her husband, she needs her lover, she needs her man to come in and reassure her. I would in fact say the greatest value or need of every woman is security. Especially as our world gets more pornography soaked and everywhere we turn, there is a photoshopped image of perfection and Instagram has not made it better with all those flipping filters. So every woman feels a level of inadequacy and you will find her sometimes even standing in front of the room, the mirror going, oh, I feel fat, I feel old, I feel ugly. I've got nothing to wear. And that's not, oh, pff, you're so insecure. No, reassure her, put your arms around her, put your face in the back of her neck and just say, you, Ah, the most beautiful woman I have ever laid eyes on in my entire life. Don't you ever speak about my wife that way again. Now, and if you wanna make it really special, then you get in the car, you take her to the mall, and you take her shopping. All right? All right? And I'm not talking about money. I'm not like, I'm not saying it needs to be some designer. Like whatever is within your means to put value back into the part of her that has felt devalued just by living in a broken and perverted world. Honestly, if there is anything beautiful about me, it's because my husband has put it there. He tells me every day, now we're not perfect, so I'm not trying to say that, but he tells me every day I am beautiful. 
every single day He tells me I'm beautiful. He tells me He loves me. I have such security, even though I've felt insecurities, because I have a man who helps me in my weaknesses, who actually helps me in the areas that I need help. I know even for my husband, in uh, different times in our life, and I think as you are married a little bit longer, you're gonna notice when your spouse is feeling vulnerable or insecure. And I think it's actually really important to see those little cues so you can be ready to help. And I, I've noticed over the years when my husband is feeling a little bit insecure or a little bit vulnerable. Um, in the beginning, it used to be when anyone around him was funny because he felt like he was the funny one. So if someone else was being funny, he felt a little bit threatened. Like, oh, I better, I need to tell a joke immediately because I'm the funny person. And so I would see him like getting jittery, like, like he couldn't wait to get up and go, well, that's nothing. Let me tell you this joke. And I'd see him like winding, like just, you know, cause he was the entertainer. And I just see this happening. I'd see the jittery in him like, la, 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 getting ready to la, 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 butt in. And I just put my arm around his shoulder or my hand on his knee and I'd say, baby, you are the funniest man I know. You are hilarious. I love you. You're so handsome. And immediately, I just feel his body relax. I didn't have to turn to him and say, babe, seriously, chill out. You're not the only one with a personality, you know. Like, talk about ruin the moment. You gotta, like, you gotta learn to do it in a nuanced way. Our spouse's insecurities are not opportunities for us to jump in and beat them up. It's your opportunity to bring security. Amen, Leanne. And I'm running out of time. I'm sorry, I am. Add courage, take, go out for dinner, prioritise your relationship. And again, this is not about dollars and cents. This is not about money. I know I'm speaking to people in very different financial situations. When Jürgen and I first got married, we earned a combined income of $20,000 a year, combined. We barely had enough money to put gas in the car after we'd paid the rent or the mortgage. But we used to go out to Denny's one night a week. We'd go to a movie with our student ID that was still fraudulently held onto after graduating from Bible college. <laughs> um, and we would get discount movie tickets and we'd go to Denny's and we would share a lumberjack's breakfast. Oh gosh, but it meant the world to me. There was no Ruth Chris date in the world that could compare to that. Feeling loved and honored. Maybe it's just a picnic on the beach. It's not about dollars and cents but it's about the effort. It's about the investment into your marriage. The greatest relationship you will have on planet Earth outside of your relationship with the Lord is your relationship with your spouse. Invest into it. Make little investments wherever you can. Daily investments. Strengthen the areas within them that are weak. Don't point them out and judge them and condemn them. Use it as your opportunity to bring what only a helpmate can bring. Amen, amen. And then finally, I'll probably end here. I had more, but not enough time. Learn to fight right. Can I ask you this question? Is it a fight worth having? If you're gonna fight, make it about something recent. If you have to jump back multiple decades, then I would say to you today, it's not the right fight. 
Make it something recent and something worth fighting about. I will never forget the story I was told by a woman who had lost her husband. She said, my gosh, I used to get in my husband's grill about the fact that he would leave his dirty socks lying everywhere. She said, I swear it was like literally the, the fly in the ointment of our relationship. And it was the one thing that had me wound up every single day. But she said, after losing my husband to cancer a couple of years ago, what I wouldn't give to see one of his dirty socks again. Is it a real problem? Or are you just being pedantic? Is it a real problem? Oh, we're gonna have arguments, trust me. Jürgen and I have had some feisty ones. There was a time he got out of the car on the freeway. Yes, pulled the car over because we were fighting, so, like we were fighting so much, the car was shaking. And he just pulled the car over, put the hazard lights on, got out, shut the door and started walking down the freeway. And yeah, I know, like it's, it's real life, it's marriage. But you gotta learn to fight right. And so I remember sitting in the car as he's exited the vehicle on the freeway. This is in Australia, trust It was before we were your pastors. It's all right, it's all right, it's okay. We were other people's pastors then. And we were actually on our way to a pastor's conference, screaming bloody murder at each other. And uh, he gets out of the car and he's walking down the freeway and I'm just sitting there in shock. And then our friends who are heading to the same conference are driving past, looking at us like, what is Jürgen, why is Jürgen walking up the freeway? And then I get out of the passenger side, I jump in the driver's side and I'm traveling like really slow, like five miles an hour behind him as he's walking with steam coming out of his ears with the window wound down yelling out, Jürgen, I'm sorry. Please get back in the car, I promise I won't say anything else. Like we've had some epic fights, but you know what the Bible says in Ephesians 4? When you're angry, sin not, and do not let the sun go down on your wrath, which means that there needs to be a time frame. When we see that sun going down in the sky, it's literally heaven's reminder, okay, it's enough now. Time to take care of business, time to forgive. Don't let this linger longer than it should. Deal with it rightly. Amen, amen. I feel like that's enough for you to chew on, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess the whole point of the message is this. Things can be better than they've been. And please don't feel condemned today. I'm telling you, if you knew the stories I know that have been shared for me from this very congregation, of the brokenness of marriage that have been restored like the most beautiful mosaic of God's grace and redemption. He can do it. Pastor Jürgen and I have experienced some, some huge, enormous things within our own relationship. And I've got to tell you today, I stand as a woman who doesn't even feel like I could possibly love a man more than I love my husband. And yet, We've seen a thing or two and we've certainly had some fights and there was times I packed my bags in the early days. I didn't put anything in them. <laughs> Grabbed the bags, used them as dramatic effect. <laughs> Came out with my bags, I'm leaving. And it was all drama, it was all theater, but I needed to make a point, all right? Thank God he didn't pick those things up and see that I was crying wolf. But it got his attention. 
Sometimes, men, your wife will run just to know, am I worth chasing? And you chased her to get her, but the chase never ends. I think when men run, oftentimes it's because they actually truly do want to be alone. <laughs> but the opposite is true for a woman. She wants to know, am I worth chasing? I'm running and I'm looking at my phone. He better text me. He better say, where are you? I can't live without you, I'm worried. God has so many wonderful things in store for you and your future. Today, I just want you to receive the Word of the Lord. Dry bones coming back to life, life coming back to the areas that seem dead and lifeless beyond resuscitation. Hey, what is impossible with man shall be possible with God. And this is the message behind Awaken Church. It's a house of transformation. We're in our Vision Builder series. We're gonna ask people to partner with the work that God is doing here. And I always wanna speak to you about the why. Why? Why would you partner? Because we are partnering with God, doing the work in our community, like Malachi 3.10 says, so that there's food in God's house. So when the world looks in at God's house, it sees a full pantry, a pantry of the soul. I have a child who's away on drugs or my marriage looks broken beyond repair or I've been suffering with depression, anxiety, addiction, brokenness, whatever it may be. I'm lonely, I have no friends, I don't know how to do life well, I run everybody out of my life. That they can look in through the windows of God's house and see a full pantry. The Bible goes on to say in Malachi 3.10 that you would be a blessed nation, a delightful land. God wants to do something delightful in us as we partner and invest with Him. And, you know, I just really know specifically that that season is for marriages. And I know many of you here are here today and you're in the middle of the fight. And I want you to know we're standing with you. Avail yourself of the resource that is here. Do not limit yourself to a meeting with the actual campus pastors or the senior pastor in order to think it matters. It doesn't. As our church grows, we are constantly appointing and tapping of other capable ministers in this house who are well able to assist you in this journey. You know, when I think about even the first service I was just in, just even in just this one corner, there was about seven or eight couples that had been married, a collective of 300 years. Can you believe that? And you want, you want to reduce it down to everything that I can tell you or Mike and Katie? No, there is a wealth of knowledge here in this room. Avail yourself of it, seek parents. Many of us don't have functional ones, but they can be found in God's house. And that's why, that's why God said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob, make sure you're learning from Abraham, come on. Abraham has something to tell you because he fought for many years for a child of promise. And he made some mistakes. Remember the Hagar incident. He has a wealth of knowledge to, to share with you and they're sitting, little Abrahams, right here in this congregation right now. But because sometimes we can celebritize the, the pastors or the man and woman of God, please don't do that, please don't. We have a culture of honour, but not man worship. There, there are people in this building that have wisdom and experience that I don't have. And they're waiting for you. And they've got so much to give. Don't limit what God can do to some kind of man of God syndrome. Anyway, 
I think I've said it all and maybe too much. Why don't you stand to your feet as we come to a close? Just lift your hands. And just in this secret place, this quiet place, this place of anonymity, just between you and God, maybe you're here today and you're single, maybe you have some regrets, maybe you're a divorcee or, you know, you just feel some baggage or maybe you're in the fight or maybe you're happily married and you're here today and you know, just a couple of things that God is wanting to sharpen. Oh, He can do it all. His toolbox is vast. He has every, every resource, every tool. Father, I thank You right now that You are strengthening what is weak today. You are holding up the weary hands. You are strengthening the feeble knees. For all those who need courage today, I speak courage in Jesus' Name. For all those who have felt their, feel that they're, they are a bruised reed or a smouldering flax, I thank You, Lord, Your Word says a smouldering flax you will not snuff out and a bruised reed you will not break. Father, I pray that You strengthen Your children today. Strengthen them in whatever need they have. In Jesus' mighty Name. Amen, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.